Blog Talk Radio. Enter the zone. The Prophecy Zone. Your end time watchman. Bringing you light in a dark world. Where truth is rivaled with a lie. And the matrix is normal life. Luke 21. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars. And upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. With power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass. Then look up and lift up your heads. For your redemption draweth nigh. You are now in the zone. So be ready to enter the light or truth about the end of days. So you will be ready for the coming of the Lord. You are in the zone. The prophecy zone. So join us for the next hour as we look at world events in line with Bible prophecy. So you'll be informed and be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. Hello, welcome to the Prophecy Zone. This is Phil Armstrong, and we have an awesome show lined up for y'all today. We got an author of the book, Patrick Romanos, The Final Pope, is here. Uh, his name is Chris Putnam. Uh, he I co-authored that book with um, Tom Horn, and he is here to answer some questions. Uh, I've been um, researching Bible prophecy um, I can say off and on for 15 years. I can't say all the way on like some of these guys, but um, some of the some of the guests that come on my show are researchers at heart, and this is what Chris is. He likes to research. Uh, he does an excellent job at um, picking up stuff that we might not normally find. Perry Stone does that too. Perry Stone is awesome at finding things that. Uh, I would say, where did he get that from? Uh, and this is one of those books. Uh, who is the Pope? I, I got to say, uh, the last Pope I predicted because I was sitting in a bookstore and uh, I was looking at who is the next Pope. And on the cover of the Pope, they have this guy turned around towards the Vatican. He's looking at the Vatican, so he's, his back is facing us. And um, it has a question mark, who is the next Pope? So I started reading um, everything, and I noticed that um, Ressinger, uh, which is the current pope, uh, Benedict, was pretty popular. I, I just figured that out from that book. And nothing in the book said he was going to be next in line. I just kind of had a notion. I've always been like that. I'm not saying I'm a prophet or nothing like that, but I've always been able to put two and two together. Um and um, the last time uh, I, I looked at that book, I think I was looking for a Jewish man, and I couldn't find one because currently uh, Cardinal Martini is actually sick. And I was thinking he would be the next pope because he was, I think he was from um, uh, Israel. Matter of fact, he lives there now. So that throws that dream out the window of me correcting two popes in a row. But... Uh, Hopefully I won't be here to see it. <laughs> but uh, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to bring our Pope. Our, our um, Pope, where did I get that from? <laughs> I hope he's not a Pope. We're going to bring our guest, though. 
I'm still thinking about the next pope. By the way, they did have a black guy in Africa. Uh, I can't see a black guy being a false prophet for some reason. It just doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> they were saying that this guy was next in line. Uh, he's somewhere from South Africa or something like that. But we're going to take a break and I'm going to say Pope again. But we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You're listening to the Prosperous Jesus on Block Talk Radio. October 30th, 1991, President George H.W. Bush initiates the Madrid peace process to divide the land of Israel. On the very same day, a freakish hurricane, now known as the Perfect Storm, destroys the Bush vacation home in Maine. And the pattern continues. Each time America compels Israel to vacate its territory, our land is devastated on virtually the same day by Hurricanes Andrew, Katrina, the Northridge earthquake, and Joplin's killer tornado. Is this coincidence, or is there a spiritual cause and effect? In Genesis 17:8, God promised the land of Israel as an everlasting possession to Abraham and his Jewish descendants. That promise still stands. Those who bless Israel are blessed. Those who curse it are cursed. Author John McTurnan makes this open and shut case in his landmark book, As America Has Done to Israel, and the companion DVD, The Day of the Lord. For ordering details, visit John's online blog at johnmcturnan.name. And I had emailed him 
you know, asking him about uh, a reference he had made to the St. Malachi prophecy in his book, Apollyon Rising. And we got to talking about it, and, and we, we both, you know, found it pretty intriguing that we're right up against the end of what reports to be a 900-year-old prophecy, mm-hmm. and um, nobody else was really writing about it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's amazing to, for him to uh, even come up with close to what he has outside of Bible prophecy. Um, what what is um, what does he do? I mean, did, is there like a line for each pope? I mean, how does that work? Okay, well, you know what this thing is. Now it's kind of um, you know we don't have a lot of data about exactly where it came from, but I mean we do have accounts written by by various historians and, and Catholics. And the way the legend goes, and, and I can't really say it's a lot more than a legend because a lot of these things were written hundreds of years after the um, the events they speak they speak on. But, yeah. you know, apparently Malachi is an Irish saint. Uh, he was known to be a reformer. He, you know, he lived in the, the 12th century. So the way the story goes, around 1139 A.D., he made a pilgrimage from Ireland to Rome, which would have been a pretty rugged journey. Um, he went to, you know, talk to the Pope about getting some new uh, districts in, in Ireland um, recognized. And supposedly the way it goes, he had a vision on Janicom Hill, which is a hill right outside of Rome, mm-hmm. where he saw, um, you know, the history of all the popes to the tribulation period, and this was 112 popes. So we're talking, you know, 1139. He has this vision, and what he describes them all with like these little short Latin phrases, and mm-hmm. you know, phrases like the cross of Romulus, um, glory of the olive, uh, unsatiable beast. These are, you know, the, the English translations of what these Latin phrases are. You know, so they're most of them are really short. And, you know, they, they seem a little vague, but um, what yeah. they seem to describe is a lot of times it will be something on the coat of arms. They call it the heraldry of the mm-hmm. Pope. And this, yeah. In the ancient world, this was really important. You were identified by your coat of arms. So a lot of them seem to, to be describing the coat of arms of the Pope. Some of them describe something about where he was from or, or his life or his family. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of them seem to describe events that happened during his reign, during what they call his pontificate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think it's a fair criticism of this prophecy that, you know, it doesn't have a precise reference. You know, it's not predicting the same sort of thing every time. And so yeah. I think it's fair to kind of say, well, you know, people could kind of bend, you know, the prediction to fit. And, you know, that was one of the things that I looked at um, because, you know, I, I didn't really have any particular bias to accept this as a real prophecy when I started investigating. And, in fact, there was a point when I was, you know, thinking that maybe it was just made up and, and there wasn't anything to it. But the more I dug in, the more I found things I couldn't explain. And, you know, where I sit today, you know, I don't claim to know for sure if this is real, but there are some fulfillments that I really just can't explain away. So I think it does deserve our attention. I'm not saying that we yeah. should put it in the same category as Bible prophecy, but yeah. I don't think we should just brush it to the side either. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. 
So what what is the prophecy for uh, the current pope? What did he say about the current pope? Well, the current pope, it's his motto was glory of the olive. Mm. Now, because of because of that, a lot of the the Catholics that watch this thing, you know, and try to predict who the next pope would be, they they all thought it was going to be somebody from the Benedictine order, which is a monastic order who is yeah. symbolized by the olive branch. So they yeah. figured glory of the olive would mean it would be a Benedictine monk who would rise to be the pope. Well, when yeah. Cardinal Ratzinger uh, was elected pope, a lot of people at first assumed that it had failed because he's not a Benedictine monk. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what was astounding is then he chose his own papal name to be Pope Benedict. <laughs> <laughs> So in a, in a very real way, he made it a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, mm-hmm. and I've found that throughout history, more than a few of them seem to have kind of made it happen or, or yeah. made it match up. But yeah. um, there are others that aren't so easily explained. Now, I'll tell you about the one. This is the one that really made me stand up and take notice mm-hmm. of this prophecy. Yeah. Now, you know, before I explain this one, I'll, I'll tell the the listeners, like I said, the, the, the origins of this prophecy are somewhat dubious. Um, it's really hard to nail down. I mean, the legend says that St. Malachi delivered it in 1139 and that, you know, the Pope must have filed it away in the Vatican vault somewhere because it doesn't appear in print until 1595. You know, nearly 400 years later, it sat around, you know, and no one really talked about it. Now, there appears to be some mention in some books around 1570. And that leads a lot of scholars to think that maybe someone found it or discovered it in the Vatican Library around 1570 or something like that. Uh But um, we don't have a solid, verifiable copy until 1595. It was published in a book called The Tree of Life, and Mm -hmm. that is undisputed. So, you know, just to make things simple, you know, the way to test this thing is don't worry about trying to look at the ones that are predicted before it was published because most of the criticism says somebody you know just manufactured this thing and it's prophecy after the event you know they wrote it down on things that had already happened to make it look supernatural so but i mean the thing that 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 explanation will not explain is the ones that come true after 1595 because nobody disputes that it's in print then so these recent ones are um, are pretty astounding. Now, the one that, that really um, caught my attention, and, you know, this is the reason I don't think that I can debunk this prophecy, is because, you know, like I said, some of the others are vague. But, you know, when, when a scientist tests a, a scientific theory or a hypothesis, what he tries to do is he tries to falsify his, his hypothesis. It means he designs an experiment where, you know, unless a certain outcome comes true, then it proves his theory false. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, if it doesn't prove false, if it, if it does, if he makes a risky prediction and it, and it does happen, it verifies the theory. You know, they very yeah. seldom use the word proof when they're testing something. So what we want to look at is does this prophecy make any risky predictions, you know, something that you wouldn't expect to happen, something that would be out of the normal. Does it make a prediction that we can test? Mm-hmm. You know, something like glory of the olive or flower of flowers is, is hard to test 
Yeah. You could kind of bend it to match the Pope's. You could yeah. find something in his life to make it match. Well, this one that happened to fall in the list, you know, it's a sequence. It goes in order, so you can't just move them around. The one that fell for Benedict the Fifteenth, he he was Pope from 1914 to 1922, mm-hmm. and and the Latin phrase for his pontificate was religio de populata, and that just translates into English to religion depopulated. Mm. So this is the kind of prediction that I was looking for because it's, it's easily falsifiable. If you think yeah. about it, you know, you would expect probably nothing to happen too, too dramatic. You would expect the church to basically stay the same. Um, you know, his reign could have been marked by like a, a revival in the Catholic Church or, yeah. or something like that. You know, but you would expect it just to kind of stay level, you know, nothing too dramatic. So this is a risky prediction. It's saying that religion is going to be depopulated. Hmm. Um, but, okay, now here's what really blew me away. This is 1914 to 1922 is when World War I, the greatest war in all history, hit the European continent. It was devastating to the Roman Catholic Church. Um, and to add insult to injury, shortly Thereafter, we had the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, um, where they estimate up to 200 million people left the Russian Orthodox Church to join the Communist Party. Uh, The ones that didn't leave the church, the Communist Party targeted them for persecution because they saw religious leaders as the greatest threat to the state. So, I mean, probably more than any other time in history, you see religion depopulated right when this prophecy predicted it. I mean, they, they credit Joseph Stalin for probably killing 43 million people, um, and it's right at the same period of time that this prophecy said religion would be depopulated. Wow. Now, that's pretty, um, that's pretty amazing accuracy. And, and you yeah. know, knowing that it was in print in 1595, we're talking about events in the 20th century. Yeah. Um, that one really made me take notice. Wow, wow, wow! And real quick uh, with uh, Pope John, because I'm pretty much I'm pretty interested in figure out what it said about Pope John, the last pope. Before uh, pope John, John Paul II. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, his um, motto was "From the labor of the sun." Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Now, in in Latin, you could you could translate that to something like maybe "pregnancy of the sun" or travails of the sun or perhaps eclipse of the sun you know they labor a solace so the thing that's really interesting is that john paul ii was born during a solar eclipse Hmm. okay from the labor of the sun well to, to to make it even more interesting turns out when he died in 2005 they buried him during a solar eclipse. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. And, you know, so that's not the kind of thing. You can't really control when you're born. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So when it says from the labor of the sun, it, these two bookends of eclipses really do seem to to, to give it a supernatural uh, flavor, don't they? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I was thinking... Um, Maybe it has something to do with the 20th century, but I don't know. I heard that before, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, the thing that, of course, caught 
my imagination and Tom Horn's, and the reason why we wrote this book is not because we are impressed with the accuracy of this Catholic prophecy. It's really the ending of it that is captured. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing this interview on a show about Bible prophecy. Okay, Benedict XVI, our current pope, the glory of the olive, is the next to the last pope on the list, and that's the big deal. He's 111 out of the 112. The 112th prophecy is a little different. It's not a short little Latin phrase. It's not cross of Romulus or unsatiable beast or flower of flowers. Mm-hmm. Here's the here's the prediction for the very next pope. Now, for your listeners, keep in mind that our current pope is 85 years old. They're wheeling him around on a cart right now. So this Whoa. is what we would expect for the very next pope. It says, in the extreme persecution of the Holy Roman Church, there will sit Peter the Roman, who will nourish the sheep during many tribulations. And when mm-hmm. they are finished, the city of seven hills will be destroyed, and the dreadful judge will judge his people, the end. Now, wow. that one's not very vague. <laughs> <laughs> now, what jumps out to you from that, that last prediction? Do you see the parallels in the book of Revelation? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I do. Um, that's what uh, it sounds like to me. <laughs> but when, yeah, when, yeah. when when is the timeline for this guy to appear? Does he give a timeline? Well, you see, he doesn't give times. He just has this sequence. You know, it's yeah. just this list. And wow. this is the last one on the list, and, you know, it's the very next pope. You know, and the things that, you know, when I look at this thing, I see persecution of the church. Yeah. Many tribulations, the city of yeah. seven hills destroyed, yeah. revelation. The thing that's really, um, I think, the most intriguing is that, you know, we're dealing with a Catholic prophecy, and it's predicting the destruction of Rome. I mean, the city of seven hills is a very transparent reference to Rome. Rome is classically known as the city of seven hills. Even the Catholic encyclopedia identifies Rome as the city on seven hills. Yeah. So that's pretty uncontroversial. When you think about when you get testimony from a source that's contrary to their own best interest, when someone testifies in a way that's not to their advantage, that that's usually a sign that it's authentic. You know, people don't uh-huh. usually make up stuff that's against them their own interest. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we wouldn't expect that a Catholic mystic would prophesy the destruction of Rome just for propaganda purposes. That doesn't seem likely. And the thing that's really interesting to me, and this is what I spent some time in the book dealing with, is in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, it talks about Mystery Babylon, the Mm -hmm. the great harlot. It sits yeah. on many waters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 17, it says, you know, here for a mind that has wisdom, the seven heads, it's talking about this beast that the woman is riding, the seven mm-hmm. heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Mm-hmm. So right there is a very strong connection to this seven-hilled city in Revelation uh-huh. chapter 17, verse 9. Now, yeah. at the very end of that chapter... It really nails down the identity of of this uh, great harlot uh, with some precision. It says, the woman that you saw 
is that great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. Now, you know, when we interpret the Bible, you know, the way that they teach us in seminary it is that you want to keep the author's original intention as your guide to what a passage means. Yeah. I mean, the passage really means something real. So what did the original author have in his mind when he wrote this text? Well, you know, John wrote Revelation around 90 A.D., which is at the height of the Roman Empire. Um, and, you know, he's already mentioned the city of Seven Hills, but, you know, at the height of the Roman Empire, the city that had dominion over the kings of the earth was inarguably Rome. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's uh, much of a stretch at all to see no. that Revelation 17 is, is predicting Rome would be the seat of Mystery Babylon. And here we have a Catholic prophecy that's 900 years old, it's coming to a head very soon, and it seems to match Revelation 17 very well. Yeah. And, you know, if it's talking about this is happening during the next Pope's reign, then that is very suggestive that we are right up against the tribulation period. Yes, indeed. No, yes, indeed. I was listening to one of your programs uh, last night. And uh, I was listening to a few of them, so my, I'm getting old, so I don't remember uh, exactly what one said. But they, that the, the 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 year 2012 popped up. Where did y'all get that from? Well, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And you know, when we first started this book project, I, you know, I didn't have 2012 in my on my radar for this project at all. Yeah. I, kind of been critical of the whole hysteria about the Mayan calendar and all that. And I've, I've blogged about um, how the ancient alien show kind of jumped on the 2012 bandwagon. So I've kind of been, you know, criticizing the whole thing. And, you know, and we've gotten about a month into the research on this Malachi prophecy. And um, I was reading a lot of books out of Europe by different Catholic scholars trying to, you know, find out some more about the origins, about this prophecy, who might have believed in it. And I found a book by a, a Jesuit scholar from Belgium. He was a professor at the University of Namur over there in Belgium, and he speaks French. He yeah. um, was a theologian. He wrote books about uh, biblical studies and theology. His name is René Thibault. And uh, Thibault had written a book called The Mysterious Prophecy of the Popes. And this book was in French. Mm -hmm. So I, was tr I dug it up. It was in a library about 30 miles from here in the basement of a university. Nobody had looked at this thing in probably 20 years. And uh, so they dug it up from the basement for me. And I, I started going through it. And uh, <laughs> he... <laughs> The year 2012 is everywhere in this book. Um, he, I think he mentions it 24 times. Um, this book was published in 1951. The copyright in the book is 1951, long before anybody was talking about the Mayan calendar, long before yeah. Hollywood was making 2012 movies. Yeah. You know, so what did, what, did, what did he think? He thought that the last pope would arrive in the year 2012. And, and he wrote this thing in 1950. And, wow. I mean, he, he calculated. He found, like, like I said, this thing is these Latin phrases, right? It's a list of 112 Latin phrases with that little paragraph, you know, about the destruction of Rome at the end. Mm -hmm. Now, he um, 
Latin is a lot like Greek and Hebrew and that they associate numbers with the letters and they call mm-hmm. it gametria, gametria. Um, and he found all kinds of codes and, and, and encryption schemes and anagrams in the Latin text of this Malachi prophecy. He really thought this thing was supernatural, um, deep. So he like it was like the, the Malachi code or something. He found all these crazy codes that he calculated the year 2012 from. And, and I break some of those down in our book. But one of the simplest ways that he determined that the last pope would arrive in 2012 is pretty easy to understand, so I can explain that one to your listeners. What he did, like I said, there's some controversy over the early portion of this prophecy because no one's exactly sure when it really appeared. Um, he thought that, you know, that maybe the first part of it, somebody had altered it, had monkeyed around with it, and changed it to make it seem better than it was. But he determined that the real part of it started in 1572, which is when somebody had mentioned it. So he Mm -hmm. thought that he could rely on that being the original prophecy. So he took from 1572 up until the time he was writing in 1950, he took that number of years and just divided the number of popes so he could find out the average length of time that a pope was in office. Mm -hmm. So he calculated that the average reign the average length of time was 11 years for each pope, mm-hmm. just on average, okay? Yeah. And so from 1572 to the end of the list, he, he started at Gregory the Eighth, I believe, and then he, um, he just calculated that there were 40 popes left from that mm-hmm. date forward. So yeah. he took 11 years times 40 popes, which is 440 years, okay? Mm-hmm. So that would be, if you just kept that average of 11, four times 40 popes, 440 more years. Well, then he added 440 years to 1572, and that lands on 2012, just based on the averages. Now, so, you know, I I tested all this math. I threw all this on a spreadsheet on Microsoft Excel. Uh I calculated the the average length of a – I mean, to – using days, you know, just how many days was the Pope's in office. So it got it down to – you know, one three sixty fifth of a year, and you know his math was right. The eleven year average is pretty accurate. Um, but what I did is I extrapolated it toward the future because, like, he wrote this book in nineteen fifty. So I wanted to know what if I add the new popes since nineteen fifty? You know, up until now, mm-hmm. will that eleven year average hold? Wow. It does. I added. You know, I added the new popes on, and it held with really good accuracy. In fact, you know, for the 11 to stay true, we would expect Pope Benedict to leave office this year somehow. And, yeah. and it didn't have to be that way. And that's the yeah. thing that's intriguing. You know, I want your listeners to think about this. John Paul I, who was the pope before, you know, John Paul II, he just in like 1976, I believe, or Seventy-eight, but anyway, he um he was only pope for thirty-three days. He yeah. died mysteriously. A lot of people think he was poisoned. Yeah. Think about this: what if he had lived a normal lifespan? What if, what if he had been pope for twenty years? You know, from that would have thrown this eleven-year average way off, and oh, you know, yeah. we would it would be past the year two thousand twelve before we got to the end of this Malachi list. Yeah. So. You know, this average eleven didn't have to hold, but it really has. And in fact, like I said, if we would expect Benedict to leave office 
this year, and it's, it looks like it's holding true. Now, I don't know if yeah. it's going to be true. I'm not a prophet myself, and all I'm doing is, is kind of saying what this, this Jesuit wrote back in 1950 yeah. is, you know, it's, it's, it's so far so good. Um, and it's pretty amazing. You know, I don't know what to expect, but when you look around at, at the news stories coming out of Rome right now, there's a lot of jockeying for position. It looks like a lot of political posturing is going on. We have this Batty Link scandal where yeah. Butler was leaking documents. And, you know, there's all kinds of, of, of news stories coming out of Rome. It's all controversial. It really looks like people are jockeying for position, anticipating the next and possibly final conclave. Yeah, yes, sir, yes, sir. Wasn't there uh, rumors that um, the current pope was thinking about retiring? Yes, there were. I mean, you know, that that was one of the things. It's like about the time that I had done the spreadsheet and was calculating, you know, checking the numbers that Rene Thibault had generated, Tom sent me a link to an article from La Stampa, which is an Italian uh, website and newspaper. It, it, it was saying that there were rumors that Pope Benedict was going to retire in April during his birthday. He turned 85 this April. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there were a lot of rumors going around about that, and it just blew me away. I mean, at the, right at the time I was seeing this 2012 thing, you know, it was right around January, late December, and right when it turned 2012. And, yeah, I didn't know what to think, man. It, it, it really blew me away. Um, and that's may be the case. You know, it's interesting that, that most of the popes die in office, and you know, traditionally that has kind of been the expectation that you're pope for life. Yeah. Um, but Pope Benedict, you know, he's, he, he's a theologian. He actually worked as in the office that used to be the uh, Grand Inquisition. He was the Grand Inquisitor, really, the, the new version of that before he became pope. But when he was writing as a theologian, he presented an argument that he thought it was perfectly acceptable for a pope to step down from office if he felt like he was getting too old to do his job. Yeah. So he's one of the first um, Vatican theologians to make that argument, and uh, that's in print. So it would not be um, completely unexpected or out of bounds if he were to retire. He might yeah. be one of the first popes in history to do so. Um, yeah. And with the, all the scandal that's going on there this year that we see right now, it, it seems like that's a live possibility. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to look like um, a lot of points are dissecting um, the Middle East, the economy. Um, I mean, wow. I mean, it's, it just seems like there's something going on where 2012 is looking more and more uh, like a conversion point of uh, events. Now, um, we're not talking about December 21st, 2012. We're talking about now. Um, so, given uh, the information uh, that's in the book, uh, what what is the possibility uh, that uh, the book or your research, uh, given the uh, place that the the, 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 I was going to say false prophet, the, the next pope is supposed to be coming from, does it give a, a, a place um, of his origin, any hints? Well, what it says, you know, in that 
prediction of the 112th Pope and the extreme persecution of the Holy Roman Church, there will sit Peter the Roman. So that's where the name of our book comes from, Petrus Romanus. The final pope is here. That's the name of the book, and it's available on Amazon. It's available at Barnes & Noble. Um, Tom Horn has a website set up called www.prophecyofthepopes.com. If you order it from there, you get a data DVD that has a lot of the original source documents that we used in the research, including that book by the, the Jesuit priest, Rene Thibault, um, in French, the original scan of the book, and then I provide a rough translation of it. So you can check these facts that I'm talking about for yourself, and you can verify for yourself that in 1950, there was a Jesuit looking at this prophecy predicting the year 2012 over 24 times. Now, Peter the Roman, you know, that, that sounds like we're looking at somebody from Italy maybe. And, um, you know, I don't think that his name necessarily has to be Peter because, in a way, all the popes claim to be the successor of Peter. Um, yeah. So it might be as simple as that. But Peter the Roman does seem to infer an Italian. Um, and it's really interesting, about six months ago, there was a big controversy where the Pope had just um, he just uh, brought in a whole bunch of new cardinals and... Um, they were the majority of them were Italians, and this led a lot of the people in, in the report on the Vatican and the politics there to speculate that they were stacking the deck hmm. to bring in a Italian uh, pope next time because these these would be voting cardinals in the final conclave. Um, and you know the thing that's interesting is that the the Italians really do want an Italian Pope because Rome is a city in Italy and it's, it's a little strange when they get someone from Poland or Germany um, because Rome, you know, the, really the, the original office of the Pope was the Bishop of Rome um, in the early church there really was no papacy the way that we see it today that's largely mythology I mean the Bishop of Rome was a local official he was the head of a local church. Really, he didn't become the universal bishop over the whole Catholic Church until around the year 600, around 606 is when the first guy declared himself to be the universal bishop. So I yeah. think we're possibly looking at an Italian. Now, like I said, you know, this prophecy, it, it, it's, somewhat, you know, it's somewhat nebulous in the way that we see the fulfillments. Now, I don't... You know, I can't guarantee that anything, and I don't. Yeah. I'm not somebody that makes predictions, but you know, I'll speculate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't claim to know. But I would suspect we we kind of think it could be uh, Cardinal Tarsicio Pierto Bertoni is the guy that we kind of named, but I don't know. It, he, he his middle name is Peter, and he is uh, he's from the district of Romana. He's the second in charge of the Vatican right now. In fact, if something were to happen to Pope Benedict. He would be the interim leader, so he wouldn't even have to get elected. It, you know, if yeah. something, if if Benedict dies or somebody, you know, assassinated him or something, he would be the stand-in guy. And uh, his name literally is uh, Pierto, and he is from the district of Romana. Um, is there any chance um, that the Pope can be Jewish? Now, let me let me read something to you right quick, just in case. 
Um, it talks about in uh, Revelation 13, it talks about the second beast, and it says, and I beheld another beast coming out of the sea, out of the earth, excuse me, out of the earth, and he had two horns like the, a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. Now, the key part right there is uh, coming out of the earth. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times that represents uh, Jerusalem or uh, Israel. Uh, any 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 chance that Peter might be might say to himself, the next what? guy might say maybe maybe um, since they think they believe they have a strong belief that Peter the apostle was um, who was Jewish was the uh, first pope. Some people think that way. Now maybe that maybe that's what he's going to do. Maybe he's going to revert. Maybe a Jewish person can be picked. He's going to take the name Peter. Well. You know, I wouldn't rule that out. Um, no. You know, when it comes the, the first beast, it says he came out of the sea, yes. right? The second beast came out of the earth. Now, in our book, I, I talk about that seems to be an allusion to some, some apocryphal literature, possibly. Um, no. Now, a lot of people would see that, is that the first beast would be a Gentile, you know, symbolized by the sea, and the second beast as a creature of the earth would be from Jerusalem, therefore Jew. So that is, you know, something that scholars have have written about, um, and it's it's very much of a possibility. But you know, that's kind of general. The word earth doesn't have to mean that, but yeah. you know, we don't know. Um, yeah. What I find, you know, and, but the thing is that the early church did suspect that the Antichrist would be a Jew, but they didn't really have anything specific about the false prophet. What I found particularly interesting, and we do argue in our book that this final pope is likely this false prophet, Um, and the reason why we think so is that it says he has two horns like a lamb. Now, I think that's pretty... uh, it's pretty transparent symbolism of, you know, Jesus is said to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what John the Baptist said when he walked up. Um, you know, so the Pope claims to be the Vicar of Christ. Mm-hmm. Vicar literally translates to instead of, or, you know, he is supposed to be Christ's sole representative on earth. That's what he's claiming to be. So wow. he's not only claiming to be like a lamb, he's claiming to be like the lamb, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. And um, so I think that this prophecy, you know, two horns like a lamb and spake like a dragon, we're talking about someone who appears to be in a Christian leader um, mm. who claims to speak for the lamb but is really speaking for the devil because obviously the dragon is a very uh, well-known symbol for Satan and the and the the book of Revelation defines that symbol for us. So uh, what? So where did they get the defecting pope from? What is this? What are the uh, people in the Catholic Church? Because I've heard that a lot that they believe he's going to be a defector. Now, if it says in the in Malachi Malachi's uh, uh, little readage about him that he's going to protect his people or something like that, well, well, how did they get a defective pope? Which we know the false prophet will be a defector. But how did they get that? So do you, do they say he's going to be an anti-pope? Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. How did they get well, he's going to be evil? And, and Well, I mean, yeah, I think it's kind of an inference. Um, 
when you look at the ending of this prophecy, right, it, it's talking about the church is persecuted. Yeah. And that the city of Seven Hills destroyed, and the dreadful yeah. judge will judge his people. Yeah, I think yeah. just the the fact that Rome is is punished, is destroyed, and judged. Yeah. I mean, if it, it doesn't sound like God is really happy with Rome, does it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what 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 is the uh, connection, or if there's any connection uh, to the Mahdi's, um, uh Jesus the second, and and it seems like the Islamic prophecies have the same type of thing where there's a Mahdi, the twelfth Iman, and then he has a sidekick which they call Jesus. Um, is there any parallel between? I mean, do y'all ever look at them prophecies and kind of parallel over? Well, you know, I think that, that you could certainly make that inference as well. Now, we didn't really write about that in this book, but I have looked at that in the past. And, you know, it really does seem to me that they are expecting uh, two figures. And, you know, it seems to me that they're set up to accept the Antichrist and the false prophet as their Messiah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that that is likely. I, I think that the Mahdi and, and his sidekick that supposedly Jesus are likely just a false Christ and a, and a false prophet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, well, thank you for coming on. Um, we did get to the point. <laughs> uh, you have a great uh, uh, trip. You ha- you're going to be going to a uh, conference? You're going to be yeah, speaking it's the uh, Prophecy in the News. Uh, yeah, prophecy yeah, conference in Branson, Missouri. It's this weekend. Now, yeah. there, there are going to be some live interviews coming out of that by Derek Gilbert um, mm-hmm. from Peering into Darkness. Uh, his, yeah. his website, view, viewfromthebunker.com, Derek Gilbert. He'll be, uh, I think I'm, he's interviewing me Friday night, but I think he's going to do one Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, I believe. There'll be live interviews um, with. Yeah, people like L.A. Marzulli, Gary Stearman, Tom Horn. There'll be quite a few of us um, being interviewed as the prophecy conference goes on. Yeah. Um, I might post a little something. My website is www.logosapologia. That's L-O-G-O-S-A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A dot org. And if you wanted to, to get the data DVD with the book go to www.prophecyofthepopes.com and you'll get over 20,000 pages of source documents that, that we reference and footnote in our book, Petrus Romanus, The Final Pope is Here. Hey, okay. it's been really great to be on the show yes, with you today. And, um, yes, thank we'll you very much. We'll do it again sometime. Yes, sir. Have a safe trip. Thank you. Okay. God bless. God bless. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Great interview. We'll be right back. Uh, to end the show. We'll be back. October 30th, 1991. President George H.W. Bush initiates the Madrid peace process to divide the land of Israel. On the very same day, a freakish hurricane, now known as the Perfect Storm, destroys the Bush vacation home in Maine. And the pattern continues. Each time America compels Israel to vacate its territory, our land is devastated on virtually the same day by Hurricanes Andrew, Katrina, the Northridge earthquake, and Joplin's killer tornado. Is this coincidence? Or is there a spiritual cause and effect? In Genesis 17:8, God promised the land of Israel as an everlasting possession to Abraham and his Jewish descendants. That promise still stands. 
Those who bless Israel are blessed. Those who curse it are cursed. Author John McTurnan makes this open and shut case in his landmark book, As America Has Done to Israel, and the companion DVD, The Day of the Lord. For ordering details, visit John's online blog at johnmcturnan.name. Get ready to come into the zone for the next 60 minutes. Your journey will begin in 3, 2, 1. The Prophecy Zone, with your host, Phil Armstrong, your watchman on the wall. Bringing you into the knowledge only found as you pursue the truth. So set back and enter the zone of Bible prophecy and find the hope that every Christian should have. Find out what is going to happen in the year 2012 and beyond. The Middle East, the mark of the beast, the European superstate, Russia, China, Syria, and more. So set back and grab your cup of coffee and your Bible and be prepared to enter the zone, the prophecy zone. Connecting the dots and showing you why we are more vulnerable than ever. Greetings, fellow Americans. This is David Robertson, inviting you to come be a part of an American Warning Radio, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Central. You've seen the pieces. Now, come see the bigger picture an American Warning Radio with your host, David Robertson, on this and many other networks that value liberty. All they're getting is mainstream media stuff. That's all they're getting, including Fox News. The American Warning Program with David Robertson, uh, just a great show. Uh, all kidding aside, the, the numbers are really going, starting to go up on that program, and I think one once people realize that that's on now live Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock on this very station, you're going to be tuning in a lot more. That guy makes a lot of sense, and he's really good at what he does. Warning. Warning. This habit forming. This habit forming. Use the truth carefully. Get more information at anamericanwarning.com. That's anamericanwarning.com. You have been listening to The Prophecy Zone on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to check out our website at www.pzrn.org. Also, like us on Facebook at Prophecy Zone Radio News and at YouTube at Prophecy Zone. Be sure to check us out next time on The Prophecy Zone as we explore the past, observe the present, and hope for the soon future return of the Savior Jesus.